Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. Hello, you badass people out there. I'm back. And I've got so many things with me um, that I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks and months. So be prepared for the second season where I introduce you to a bunch of new, empowering, inspiring women. And the best of all is I've prepared something amazing for you. Because after last season, um, with each conversation I had, I really noticed that there is a pattern of success that all of my guests share in common, even though each of their stories is completely unique. In fact, it's 10 things that have all helped them to create their personal success stories, no matter the hardship, no matter the difficulties, no matter the trauma that they've experienced. Those 10 things were the ones that have helped them set up a life where they're where they're finally able to embrace themselves, where they're finally able to pursue their life purpose and really make a good living off of that. So I call those 10 things the 10 secrets of thriving women. And I've put all of those 10 things for you um, into an ebook that I've created. So in the ebook, you will not only find out about what those 10 secrets are and what they really mean, but on top of that, I've added to each of those secrets um, a section with reflection prompts for you so that you yourself can identify, you know, where are you at with each of those things so that you can understand what it takes for you to get to that level of all those amazing women and really create that life that you want for yourself as well. So go check it out. Go to olgamuller.com slash podcast and download the ebook completely for free. And um, for everybody who's really like, who's really done with playing miserable and small and being unfulfilled with how things are going, I've created a little once in a lifetime opportunity that you will only find out by the end of the ebook. So go download it, check out the opportunity and um, sign up. So then, welcome to season two of the Thrive Podcast. Um, I can't believe we're heading into a second season, but uh, today I'm here with Stephanie Antunes from Canada. I'm very excited because her story um, resonates or, yeah, so much in, in many ways with me. And not only because of becoming a mom, all the experience that is behind that, but also the fact that you've actually changed passions quite a lot. So first of all, you know, who's actually Stephanie, you know, just to give you a quick, you know, uh, overview of her story. Stephanie Antunes is the founder of Discover Birth and owner of The Nesting Place. And Stephanie has been a Lamaz educator and doula since 2002 after the birth of her son, uh, showed her just how valuable it is to be prepared for birth and to have a good support around you. And Stephanie's organization provides a variety of services to expectant parents and training for those wishing to pursue work in the child, uh, childbirth field. And she is not only the president of the Ontario Association of Doulas, treasurer for Dona International, um, but she also sits on many local boards and coalitions to improve their communities. And um, Stephanie is committed to really advancing her profession and proving that heart-centered work can also provide an, a financial secure future. And so I'm very excited to have you on the show with us and welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Like I mentioned, like 
just by maybe giving people this short, you know, very short insight into what you've been through uh, and experienced over the last 15, 20 years. Um, like I mentioned, it's resonating with me in so many areas, especially the heart-centered part, the becoming yes. a parent part. And so I'm curious, you know. I know. So many surprises. <laughs> well, that's live, I guess. We're all getting surprises. So it was interesting, you know, I had... I had my first son um, pre-internet, which is shocking when I say that. <laughs> People think I look too young to have had a son pre-internet, but uh, he's 21 right now. And when I had him, I had four books and I read those books cover to cover. And, you know, admittedly, I wasn't really that nervous about having a baby. Mm -hmm. I thought, gosh, people have been doing this for thousands of years. I mean, how hard can yeah. it be? Which is really my life motto is how hard can it be? Mm -hmm. So I, um, of course, without having access to these to the internet, I went with what I knew and went to the hospital that was near me and the doctor that I got referred to and had this idea in my mind of what my birth would look like. And then it turned out really, really differently. Mm. And the interesting thing is that I was healthy and my baby was healthy. And isn't it that cliche where we all spend, you know, nine <laughs> months or however many months we know we're pregnant saying, all I want is a healthy, you know, birthing person and, yeah. and baby. And then I sat there thinking, well, I'm healthy, but gosh, that seemed like it sucked a little bit. And I couldn't quite figure out why. Uh, of course, I had a newborn baby to deal with and I was in the middle of university and then ended mm. up going through um, a separation from my partner soon after with a six week old. And so really, I didn't wow. have time to think about that at the mm -hmm. time. And so I kind of brushed it under the rug. And like a lot of people do who come away from birth feeling disempowered, I just moved on with life. Mm. But when I was having my second son four years after that, mm -hmm. I knew I was going to do things differently. Because my mom raised me with that saying, that, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but <laughs> expecting different results. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, I don't know what I did, quote unquote, wrong last time, but I'm going to do things differently this time. And one of the things I did was take prenatal classes. I took Lamaze classes. Mm. And I jokingly say that Lamaze changed my life, but Lamaze changed my life because it was the first time someone had talked to me about being an informed decision maker in my care. Mm -hmm. And that put me on a whole other path because what I realized about those classes, which of course I did end up having a very empowering birth experience with that, that particular birth, mm -hmm. um, you know, what I realized it wasn't just about one day that feeling empowered in life's big moments mm -hmm. transformed who we are. So mm -hmm. for me, it transformed how I parented, but it also transformed my personality as well. And so while I was in the corporate world at the time, and I did strategy and intelligence, which is very different from birth work. <laughs> yeah. um, and just slightly, yeah, just slightly. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, just a little, just a little, you know, and I, and I was good at it and I liked mm. it and I thought it was interesting. And I, and I never really, I was never really one of those people that got up in the morning and went, no, I don't want to go to work. You know, I actually thought my work was interesting, mm. but I decided I wanted to teach Lamaze classes as a hobby that I wanted to help other pregnant people get right to that first birth, making it really empowering and awesome mm. instead of having to do one that kind of sucks to get to the good one. I wanted them to get mm. right to the good one. But what and would you say? So I started teaching people in my basement. Mm. But what would you say was that thing that, that caused you to feel maybe, maybe not consciously back then, but disempowered after your first birth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in looking back at it, I think it was it was literally giving up my power. It was saying to someone, I want this. And when that person said, no, you don't want that. You want this other thing. And going, mm -hmm. oh, okay, well, you must know better than me because I've never done this before. Mm. And I mean, isn't that what we do, though? Don't we sit there and think <clears throat> if we sit in our meekness, Then we sit there and think, well, this other person that has much more experience about this topic must know more than me. Mm. And maybe I should just sit, sit pretty and be quiet. And I don't think that serves us. It doesn't serve mm. us as parents. It doesn't serve us as humans. It doesn't serve us uh, as business owners. Definitely. Mm. I mean, it's literally impossible to be a successful business owner and, and be that way. Right. Yeah, I I so feel what you're saying because actually when when uh, I gave birth to my son, he was like in a 
let's say with his with his butt down um in this position and so many doctors actually all almost all doctors in all hospitals in my city back then were like oh no we have to make a c-section because this is so dangerous and so on and and there was one hospital that was actually specialized in those kind of births and they were like no this is you know all perfect and the perfect the position is perfect and this is no problem and whatever and then you're sitting there and like you're saying it's like you have no freaking clue about you know all those things and you're trusting other people and they're sending you like different messages and then you know you have all this responsibility for this little being and you're and I was like okay so what do I do you know and in the end I just trusted my gut and I went to that specialized hospital and all went well but sometimes like you're saying you know you you trust them and then things happen that were not necessary Mm -hmm. I love that you did that most people don't know how to trust their instincts Mm. you know we we, we trust the thoughts in our head more than we trust our instincts. And mm. one of the things that I do a lot with my clients and, and my team members as well is I try to separate it out in three different, three distinct ways of thinking of something. Mm-hmm. We think of something with our head. Mm. And those are those thoughts that we have. Um, oh, but this could be dangerous. Oh, this could be bad. Oh, this other person had this happen. And oh, those are the thoughts, right? Our head thinking. But then we think of some, we, we think of things also with our heart. And our heart is that there's a yearning for something. It's mm-hmm. not It's not a thought. It's just like a heart wants something, a desire. Mm-hmm. And then we think of things also with our gut. And our gut is something that we can't explain. It's a knowing. Mm-hmm. It's a knowing. Yeah. It is a, a feeling with no words. I don't know why, but I just think something's wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I just know this is going to be okay in that or that this isn't the right choice or decision for me and you listen to your gut which was saying i'm hearing the words of these other people saying no no you know Mm. you should have this baby by cesarean but there was something in your gut and probably also in your heart that was yearning for something different and uh and the fact that you kept looking for another solution i think that's where people miss out Mm. is in in business in parenting and life Mm -hmm. is we get often stuck in our head. We're an analytical species in the yeah. year, you know, in the in the 21st century. We're a very <laughs> analytical species, yeah. and we over rely on our head. And I always say, you know, you can mind f yourself till the cows come home if all you do is listen to your head. <laughs> but we've got to listen to all three, right? Yeah. Listen to your head, but listen to your heart and listen to your gut, and go with two out of three. That's you know? true. What, Two out of three are going to line up, right? Yeah. And if one of them is unsure, then the answer is often wait. Mm. Just wait. Do more research. Think, you know, not think more with your head because that's thoughts, right? Yeah. That's the head. But just wait and see. Mm-hmm. So was it pr- principally this feeling of basically being, you know, uh, how to say that? Like to, to, to give up, like you mentioned, the power and being de- dependent on other people in very, li- you know, important decisions about your life that made you mm-hmm. go and look for that, you know, for that, um, you know, help in your second birth and then go to those Lama Zay courses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just that knowing, I just knew in my heart and in my gut that there was another way of doing this and experiencing this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I to think I only knew the tip of the iceberg then mm-hmm. of what I know now, 17 years later, and having you know prepared over a thousand people for birth and having mm-hmm. been at hundreds of births uh, as well as a doula, um, is to to bear witness to this experience that people have of questioning, Mm -hmm. what do I want? What do I need? What does my gut tell me? And helping people through that is really, really, is really interesting to see people from all different walks of life and all different cultures and religions. And at the end of the day, we all have, we all look at things with, have the capacity to look at things with head, heart, gut. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we're all going to have different life experiences and priorities that lead us to come up with our decisions but that there are more empowering ways for us mm-hmm. to do that um, when we take some when we take the time, right? Yeah, especially when it comes to really bringing other humans into this world. It's uh, uh, 
I, I actually love the fact that you just mentioned it, I think the fears that are related to that the hopes you know the desires all the positive emotions also it doesn't matter what religion you have it doesn't matter what background you have all of that will be you know the same for all people around the world so it's it's great that you are able to you know really help people with that so what I'm curious about so you started it as a hobby And how did then, you know, that transition, this hobby, let's say, to, oh, my God, I think, you know, I want to do this full time and then actually making that happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I often say is the job took hold of my heart mm -hmm. and then eventually it took hold of my life. Mm. So I remember I've always worked with a I've, I've always valued working with a business coach. Mm -hmm. And I remember as my business started to grow a little bit bigger and I had partnered with two other people and we were still just doing this as a hobby. But, you know, whether you do something as a hobby or full time, there's a website to run and mm -hmm. there's, you know, logistics and mm -hmm. marketing and all of those things. And I remember talking to this business coach and I would always complain that I wish I had so many ideas and there were so many things I wish I could do in this field and that I didn't have enough time. Mm -hmm. And I remember her getting sick of hearing it at one point. And she said to me, you know what, Stephanie, I want you to do one of two things. I want you to either accept that you are unwilling to give up the lifestyle you have mm -hmm. working in consulting. because I had, you know, making consulting dollars at the time. Mm -hmm. My industry was a fledgling industry we didn't make we didn't bring in a lot of revenue at the time and I remember her saying listen either accept this is what you need to do and shut up <laughs> or decide that you want to hey puppy <laughs> he wants to be part of the podcast as well <laughs> it does come here come here say hi to everyone say hi hello I'm just going to sit here quietly. <laughs> so, you know, or she said, um, make a plan, make a plan to transition out of your corporate work, out of your consulting and mm -hmm. to do this more full time. And part of that plan, she's like, that plan could take six months or it could take two years. But if you put a plan in place, then maybe you'll stop complaining and feeling like your heart is in one place, but that you can't um, give up the corporate work. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly what I did. I realized she was right. And I made an 18 month plan to give up my corporate work. And that included remortgaging my house because mm -hmm. I knew that I was going to be making less money than mm -hmm. our family was used to. And, uh, you know, it was an 18 month plan of um, transitioning projects at work. And six months ahead of time, I, I told them that I was giving them six more months and finished up some really big projects that I'd been working on and did it, you know, and um But I made some mistakes in that. And that's one of the things that, I, that I've come to realize since mm -hmm. is I, I allowed some money mindset issues mm. um, around that heart-centered work not making money or some associations I had with, with money and that mm -hmm. people who made a lot of money weren't, weren't good people and they mm. weren't um, philanthropic mm -hmm. or kind or or didn't do heart-centered work. They were people who worked, you know, I don't know, in finance or something mm. and made tons of money and didn't give a shit about anyone. Yeah. I think I had all of those things in my mind. Wow. And I realized, of course, I, I didn't want to become that person, mm. right? I didn't want to become that person. And so I kept myself small and I kept my business small for a really mm. long time. Wow. How, how, I mean, how did you actually tr um, trans? transform those beliefs that you had or what what are some yeah. of the beliefs maybe that you do have now because I, I find this very powerful I think for me myself it took a long time to realize that you know I had some negative associations or beliefs around actually having or running a business as well or starting even a business and um I think so many of us are, are are maybe trying to create, you know, this this new business or follow some other interests, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, without realizing that the there are those things in our head that are, you know, actually pulling us back or holding us back and you can't, you know, run full full speed when you have this, you know, thing um keeping you trying to keep you in one place until maybe it's too late and then we think it was about that business or it was about that idea when in reality it was about the, those beliefs so i would like to you know mm -hmm. if you if you can share some maybe 
beliefs that you have now transformed and that are now empowering you maybe in creating this business if you are willing to share them because I'm, I'm sure it will help a lot of other people mm -hmm. I remember well two things happened mm -hmm. one was I ended up as a single mom again mm -hmm. <laughs> and when I looked at how much money I'd been making in my business I realized hmm that amount of money that I made last year would pay my rent and that's about it. Mm -hmm. And so faced with the idea of giving up a, a business that I'd been running for a decade mm -hmm. and that I had been allowing my mindset issues to keep my revenue small mm -hmm. because I had the, I could fall back on a partner who made, who mm -hmm. made money and I could go along with, um, all those things that we hear that it takes years to build up a business mm. and and those the other things that I heard especially in my industry was you know that we want everyone to be able to have these services and we need to make them available for people even who can't afford them mm. and and I don't disagree that people who can't afford these services should be able to have them but I'm not the one who should be sacrificing for that to happen. Mm. Me and my family can't be the ones to sacrifice for that. That's why there are grants and really amazing associations and foundations out there who mm -hmm. fund these kinds of things. And, and that anyway, so that, that was as an aside, that was a sort of another thing. But I remember doing, um, so number one was I just said to myself, I have to work harder mm -hmm. and I have to work more. And so my first step was to just really was to just become a workaholic. And mm -hmm. I probably worked 80 hours a week, but I doubled my revenue in a year. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, hi. So doubling my revenue encouraged me to work even harder because, mm -hmm. of course, the message I got was, oh, if you work really, really hard, you can double your revenue. Mm -hmm. And so I worked even harder and I doubled my revenue again the next year, again, reinforcing the idea. Mm -hmm. But then I went to uh, a full day workshop mm -hmm. um, and it was very, uh, it was about planning for the year, but it had a very spiritual component to it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they did was they addressed people's money mindset issues. Mm. And what I started to realize was those thoughts that I had about money, that you had to work really, 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 really hard to make good money. Mm -hmm. And someone questioned that belief and like, well, why? Mm -hmm. Why? Do you think that everybody that makes a lot of money works really hard? Mm -hmm. No. And I started breaking that down. And the other thing I broke down was um, that idea that, um, that idea that, so working really, really hard and that there was, you know, a specific sort of level of growth or, or that I would be a I would become a bad person. Mm. I would become like those other people mm -hmm. who have a lot of money who I don't like. Mm -hmm. And someone questioned me also on that belief and said, well, what would you do if you had more money? Mm -hmm. What would you do if you won the lottery? Mm -hmm. And literally, and I, and I don't say this to kind of pat myself on the back, but if I won the lottery, one of the first things I would do is put money into, into this work, into this business, because I believe in it so much. And I would, you know, love to have a big charity or foundation and someone said oh so if you had lots of money that's what you would do with your money mm -hmm. and I was like huh and she's like don't you think the world needs a lot of people with a lot of money who do a mm. lot of good things I went oh and it was really very fast after that mm -hmm. that all of it shifted mm. and I I looked at things very, very differently. Um, one of the things that I had been hesitating on was having a, an office manager or an admin person mm -hmm. because I thought, oh, I'm barely making enough money to cover my own expenses. Mm -hmm. And if I hire that person, I'm going to mm -hmm. have to give up the little bit that I'm getting that I need. And someone would say, yeah, but if you had someone helping you with all of those things that you spend so many hours on every week, don't you think you would actually be able to work on your business instead of in your business and grow your business? Mm -hmm. And it was always, yeah, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what if I didn't? And I realized that's a scarcity mindset yeah. and a scarcity mentality. And the second that all of that came together, without thought, I hired the person. And I'm not talking 
you know, it took me two, three months before I bumped up my revenue to pay for her. Mm -hmm. The same month I hired her, I made more money. Wow. And I grew my business again, a hundred percent that year. But I, uh, my business now makes the most money it's ever made. And Mm -hmm. I work the least I've ever worked. Wow. So it's not all about hustle Mm -hmm. and it's not all about, um, it's not, you know, this thing of, you know, if I make too much money, I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. I don't have that anymore, but I still struggle with some aspects of that still. Um, but, but that's gone. And ever since that's been gone, even months where I think, oh, business seems to be a little slower than usual. Mm-hmm. I never get worried about that. My my feeling and my belief now, just because it's been reinforced for so long now, is eh, something's going to come through. Yeah, you yeah. know, something. Probably I'll probably have a good last week of the month. We'll probably be strong, and it always happens that way. Wow. I mean, so. it it sounds so easy, you know. Yeah. I know. But this is so hard. So actually, I mean, you were say, you were mentioning that actually you were almost 10 years in your business when all of that kind of sh- started to shift, right? So in, in that year or in that moment where, where you were quitting your job and yeah, you have, let's say you have made a little bit of a backup plan, probably put some money aside, etc. Et But what in the end, you know, um, gave you the courage to really pull through and to leave behind this, you know, security, the secure income, because I think this is what holds so many people back. Like this, this fear of, of, I mean, for me, I realized that for me, money was all about, you know, actually survival. So it can't, I think it can't get worse than that, but, um, you know, just overcoming that, What what gave you the courage to pull through and to, you know, deal with that insecurity maybe or fear? I just didn't give give myself an option for anything else. Mm. So because I had I was in a situation where I either was had to go back to get a job mm-hmm. and give up my business mm-hmm. or I had to do the things. Mm-hmm. I had to do the things. I had to do the hard things. And doing the hard things and staying in a job that I loved and was so proud of and so passionate about, mm-hmm. that just seemed like such a no-brainer, mm. you know? And and then just I then then it was just one thing after the next. And that's what I say to people, it's just one step and then another step and then mm-hmm. another step. So, I think that planning is really so setting proper goals mm-hmm. is really really important and, and when people say you know how do I start my business because mm-hmm. I'm a trainer so I'm working with people who do the training with me and then they have to go start their business mm. and everyone thinks about marketing you know when people talk about running a business and all they ever think about is marketing mm. and people forget that before marketing has to come two other things that are really 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 important and that is setting goals mm-hmm. and I say to someone in class and I'll say I'll use someone as an example and they'll say well what's your goal and they say well, I want to be a doula. Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, well, that's a dream. Mm -hmm. That's a dream. But what is your goal? Mm -hmm. They're like, what do you mean? Okay, so well, how many clients do you want to have? Well, Mm -hmm. I don't really know. Well, then how are you going to get them? Mm -hmm. If you don't know what it is that you need, you know, and when do you want to start? Well, whenever I can. No, no. (laughs) Give me a month. Tell me what month you're going to start. And so just flipping, I think, from these elusive sort of goal, sort of dreams that Mm -hmm. we have and getting to something more concrete. So I always say with really concrete goals, and I encourage people to make to do smart goals, Mm -hmm. you know, which you can people can Google and find online. Mm -hmm. um, Very, very commonly uh, referred to. So I think with smart goals and then with a really, really clear idea of who your target market is, Mm -hmm. I feel like everything else flows really nicely from those two things. Because then when people are saying, well, what color should I make my website? Mm. Well, who's your target market? What color would they like to see? Mm-hmm. You know, well, what picture should I pick? What, what should I call my business name? And I realized that a lot of people, when they create their business, they create a business that they like. Mm-hmm. They pick a name that they like, but they forget that they're not selling it to themselves. Mm. They're selling it to a specific target market. And so I actually really encourage people to create, 
you know, and a lot of business, I know a lot of business coaches and leaders that I, that I love. And this idea certainly isn't mine, but to personify your target market, Mm. to give them, to create a person and give them a name and imagine what they do in a week and where they go and where they get their haircut and what radio station they listen to and what shows they watch and what, you know, all of those things, because if you in your mind have this idea of this is this magical person that I want to work with, everything else flows. So instead of sitting there and stressing about your copy or your website colors or what stock photography you should use, it's, well, what would that person want? Mm -hmm. What would that person be drawn to? And then it just flows so nicely from there so that people can focus their energy on the right things Mm -hmm. because worrying about your company name is not the right thing to spend your energy on. Mm, I love that. And would you say that this has also been one of the maybe major um, keys where your business turned or shifted from, you know, covering your rent to really taking off, um, like working more on, on those kind of things, becoming clearer about, let's say, your ideal customer or your ideal client and who you want to work with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's honestly work that I never feel is completely done. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, it's something that we're working on all the time and definitely, you know, a big transformative moment for me was hiring an office manager Mm -hmm. and having someone to take on a lot of the day to day day tasks so that Mm -hmm. I can work on the business. Mm -hmm. And then, um, a couple of years ago, I, I also handed off sales Uh, so client, you know, when mm-hmm. clients email and email us, um, I handed that off to someone who's been on this team for over a decade mm-hmm. and uh, does a great job. But those two things that took up, you know, half of my week, probably mm-hmm. when you when you don't have to work on those things, you really get to start thinking about, you know, your target market and mm-hmm. you get to do fun things like, well, fun, you know fun in quotation, but things like looking at your Google analytics Mm -hmm. and exploring, well, what is, what is all these, what are all these things mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how, what's a bounce rate, you know, and you get to learn about digital marketing and, um, but when you're, when you're everything, when Mm -hmm. you're the everything, it's really, really hard to do that, you know, and I, and I know we need a certain level of revenue and growth to, Mm -hmm. for sure, to be able to have those people, but, that is so much about mindset, right? Is that Mm -hmm. belief that, that our business, you know, that we do have a great product or service to, to be able to, to share with the world and, Mm -hmm. and that people are going to want to buy that. I mean, if you don't, if people don't believe that themselves, then Mm -hmm. why would anyone else believe that? Right. And coming to that point, have you ever faced um, the so-called imposter syndrome where even though you have maybe, you know, you've done the courses, you've done a lot of it, and maybe you even, you know, believe, you know that it works, it does a good job, but ever feeling like, you know, oh, maybe I, I don't know enough yet, or, you know, how can I charge this crazy maybe amount of money, uh, thinking that back then, um, did you, that ever, did either one of those things come across or happen to you ever? I mean, I had that problem for a long time, but once mm-hmm. I made that shift, um, then it hasn't come back since. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't have that hesitation anymore. Mm-hmm. I do spend a lot of time still working with my subcontractors who sometimes mm-hmm. have those thoughts, you know, and um, for example, we charge time and a half. If we have a doula working with a family not for birth, but for mm-hmm. postpartum. So it's a scheduled shift. Mm-hmm. And if they work on a statutory holiday, mm-hmm. you know, we charge clients time and a half and the doula will say, oh my gosh, but that's a lot of money. And mm-hmm. I go, yeah. And you'd be working on a holiday mm-hmm. and that's a big deal. You know, and if the client doesn't want to pay it, they don't have to, they can mm-hmm. choose to not have you that day. Mm. But if it matters to them and they value the service, then they'll value that you're giving up your holiday to work with them Mm. you know so it's interesting these moments where I see that in other people Mm -hmm. and I see my response being so different than it would have been Mm. um but yeah so what would have been don't have that anymore what would have been your advice to maybe yourself in that moment because I also you know have people then you know asking you know how can I how can I you know Actually, it's not about just starting out, but it's really about having this conviction for yourself about 
what I'm what I am doing is really of value. I think we will never ever know everything that is around that topic. So, um, but you will you will also always be one step ahead of somebody else. But you know, what would have been your advice to yourself? in that moment when you were, when you were actually with those, you know, limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I think that breaks down into two different things. So one is looking at the actual service that you're providing mm -hmm. and to actually ask the question, okay, what would this service need to look like to be worth that amount of money? Mm. And, and just ask yourself the question, because if there's an answer, if you say, well, you know, um, Maybe if, if, if it was more responsive, okay, mm -hmm. so be more responsive. Can you be more responsive? You know, so, so figure out what are the checkboxes of things that you actually think are missing to be worth that value. Mm -hmm. And if you say nothing, I mean, I, I think, I think it's just a really, really great service that, with a lot of value, then you know that the answer actually lies in your own shit. Mm -hmm. And so then it's doing the work. And sometimes when we're in business, we're running a business, we think that the answer lies in a business course, but actually a lot of them lie in the spiritual work, mm. in the work of your own confidence, the work of your own subconscious. Mm -hmm. You know, 80% of what we actually believe is in our subconscious. Mm -hmm. So really starting to understand that dynamic between conscious and subconscious beliefs. And for me, I've even done, um, I've even done some hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, to, to get with certain issues to explore that, you know, we talk a lot about that in birth. And I thought, you know, I don't really know that much about this and learning more and delving more into the subconscious and mm -hmm. those ideas. Um, you start to realize that if you can control more of that, uh, yeah. control your mind and understand your subconscious beliefs that you can control anything in your life. That is so, so. true. And so, um, together or not together but both of us <laughs> took took the b-school course from marley Mar marley murray forleo here we go and um actually you mentioned that you know ever since um you took that course you were able to grow your business 1000 percent, which is like mind-blowing um within five years and so we, we've already talked a little bit a little bit about you know, those things, but what have been, you know, the biggest game changers that, that maybe are the insights that you've gotten from that program that really, you know, allowed you to grow like this big? Because one thing is that you mentioned, you know, you double your revenue and you double it again, but really, you know, growing 1000% is just like crazy. <laughs> so, you know, maybe what were some of the most valuable lessons that you took that really allowed you to, you know, hit off so, so 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 greatly mm -hmm. um honestly i think a lot of it was was getting into those subconscious beliefs so mm -hmm. looking at someone like marie forleo who um really does have a big heart for for the work that she does and the people that she serves mm -hmm. and i really mm -hmm. love so much how she brings that heart centeredness into everything. And so it can be super businessy mm -hmm. and still be heart centered. Mm. And I think that was maybe the message. Well, I know that was, mm -hmm. you know, that was the message that I needed to hear as I started to try to figure out how to do this, how to do this mm -hmm. um, in those early years. Um, because when I took her course, um, maybe I registered for the course like five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, that was really in those early stages for me of thinking and considering my mindset. And, um, but I was still in that hustle mode. Mm -hmm. So I think she gave me a lot of really great tools mm -hmm. to, to work mm -hmm. on my business. Mm -hmm. Um, and then started just helped me, I think, to fix some of those, those beliefs that I had about making money. And then of course, over the years and, things happening. And then that other course that I took that mm -hmm. in-person course I yeah. took really delving into the mindset yeah. issues. Like that was that kind of like, it just all came together, together and, you know, mm -hmm. compounded to help, to help me. Yeah. 
And I think it's yeah. it, it, it I think it's probably pretty challenging, especially in a profession like that where a doula basically, you know, I think most of the work is really in person. So it requires a lot of your, your time and being with the people. And to not, you know, lose this I think connection probably to the people and not get lost in the like you like you mentioned, maybe in the in the on the business side I don't know, developing strategies or being, you know, super analytical about, you know, getting like a good blend of it so that you don't, f you don't lose this kind of connection, I imagine, to, to the heart and to the work that you really, you know, appreciate and in the, what, what made you start this profession in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something, you know, because, of course, I take on more and more of a business role. I spend less and less time with clients. Mm. And uh, I spend more time mm. with my team and supporting my team than I do directly with clients. And so it's been interesting to see that that transition um, and what that means and what that looks like. And But, you know, I still, I still find myself... Um, my my essence the mm -hmm. essence of what i why i created this business is is throughout mm -hmm. right it's through every templated email it's through every interaction uh, my team knows what i would do mm -hmm. and how i would say it and mm -hmm. i so i think that leadership um leadership doesn't mean doing all the work mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you need to be the client facing person every time it means to me it means to me that my business is representative of those values, those original values of why this business was created and who I am, and that that is felt mm. in those interactions, whether it's through me or someone else. Mm. That's awesome. So let's actually talk a little bit about what it is that you're actually doing, you know, as a doula, because um, I mentioned a little bit in the beginning, for me, actually having, um, I don't know actually what the quite difference is between a midwife or doula, I'm always familiar with the with the term midwife, but maybe you can explain a little bit. Um, But I learned a lot, you know, from her when I was pregnant, and um, it took so many fears for me away. And I think in many countries, you know, there's this concept of having a midwife in Germany is actually something quite normal, you know, uh, it's covered by health insurance and um, it's, let's say something's not standardized, but it's something very common. But I think in most countries, it's not very common. And, you know, I, I have experienced, you know, having somebody by your side, especially by the end and in, in the beginning of having the baby and it helped me a lot. So, And I'm not even talking, you know, countries, you know, developing countries. I think even in countries like the U.S., this is not a very spread, you know, concept. And I feel like many women or families are left, you know, very by, by themselves alone uh, dealing with all of this experience of having a child. So um, what is actually, you know, what is something that a doula can really do? Or what is the difference between a doula and a midwife to even start off? Yeah, sure. So, of course, I can only speak to what's happening here mm -hmm. in Canada. But in Canada, we have a, a really, uh, it's provincial, but a, a really good regulated midwifery system. Mm -hmm. So we do have midwives. Um, I mean, it's still obstetricians that are doing the majority of births. Mm -hmm. But we have funded midwifery here in Ontario, we're in the province that I live in. And midwives are a primary health care provider. So similar to how a family doctor would have been, mm. you know, when our parents had babies, a lot of them were delivered by family doctors mm. who were experts at healthy, low-risk pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And that's the same as midwives. Mm. Midwives are experts in healthy, low-risk pregnancies, which represent 90% of pregnancies. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's their specialty. And uh, here in Ontario, people can have birth either in hospital or at home with a midwife. And they can, they have all the same available, the same, you know, ultrasounds and tests and all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And if ever they do become high risk, then they would share care or transfer care to an obstetrician. Mm -hmm. So a midwife handles the health of mm -hmm. the birthing person mm -hmm. and the baby. Um, a doula is a non-medical mm -hmm. health care provider. Mm -hmm. So we do not do blood tests and vaginal exams during mm -hmm. labor and monitor someone's health. What we do is we're there in a support capacity and in an education capacity. Shush. 
So we're there to make sure people are informed and that they feel that they have access to the information they need to make good decisions for themselves. Mm -hmm. And we're there, you know, to help them emotionally. So Mm -hmm. to help them feel better. And, you know, and midwives do some of that stuff too. The difference Mm -hmm. is that we don't have medical duties to take up our time. Mm -hmm. So in the case of birth, for example, we're 100% focused on our client and their partners or support people. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have to do charting and we don't have to, you know, get an IV ready if that's what is required. Mm -hmm. We don't have to worry about any of those things. We get to focus 100%. Mm -hmm. And our specialty is really both that emotional support, but also helping people to perceive less pain in their birth. Mm. Because what we realize is there's lots of things we can do that help people cope. Mm -hmm. And if people are coping better, then what tends to happen is they're less likely to need other medications and interventions Mm. that can sometimes affect their labor. So... What we see statistically, and there's been quite a lot of studies on the the role of the doula, Mm -hmm. it's a role that's so simple Mm -hmm. and yet has huge statistical implications, Mm -hmm. actually, for healthier births. Yeah. And I I mean, now that you mentioned that, like, I I told, like, (laughs) thinking about, you know, my own birth that I gave to my son, it's like, I totally understand. And also, all the things that you mentioned, you know, everything that we go through in life, it makes everything so much easier if you have a coach, or if you have a person that supports you, you know, especially with the emotional side. And I think in such a important moment where you're under such an amount of, you know, stress and pain, and you know, what the hell is going on here? uh, It's so important to have somebody there to, to support you with those things really focused. Um, and so what were maybe some of the biggest eye-opening moments that you had for yourself, uh, or as a mom, even, um, through the work that you've, you, you've done, you know, by becoming a doula, maybe in retrospective, or even with things that, you know, you've experienced now with clients, you know, what is something that, you know, many more mothers and also, you know, fathers, um, should really know. Um, about maybe pregnancy or even the first months of parenthood because when I had when I took prenatal courses that was you know some of the best information that I got you know just really learning to put yourself you know also in the baby situation to just try to you know live this world you know focusing on how the baby would perceive it makes such a big difference or just you know not having any visitors the first two weeks, things like that were very simple, but made such a huge shift in the way, you know, I'm perceiving now my child and how I'm, I'm tackling certain situations. So what were maybe some of the, those moments for you? Um, so from a parenting perspective, I'm going to answer yeah. that in two ways. One is from a parenting perspective and one, what is, what have I learned? Stephanie? Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a parent, I would say the, biggest thing that I've learned Mm -hmm. is that birth can be really, really awesome. And parenting can be really, really awesome. And both, even if they don't go how you think they're going to go. So that's something that I've worked a lot with my with my clients that things can be amazing, even if they don't go how you thought. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have that awareness in life. When we look back, we can look at some of the most challenging moments of our lives and we realize how much we've grown because of Mm -hmm. having experienced that and come on the other side of it. So one is that two is we need the village. Mm -hmm. We need our modern day village. Our, our friends and our family. Yes. And then professionals that Mm. can support us we need to get okay with asking for help and accepting Mm. help Um, because the nuclear family is a new concept of humanity. This is not how we were meant to live in a way that's conducive to our well-being. Mm -hmm. So there's no surprise or shock to me that we have more anxiety and stress and depression than we've ever had Mm. because we're more disconnected. We do way too much on our own. So one is accepting and asking for help and allowing ourselves to live in community, Mm. you know, Um, even if we live in a house separate, but you can still live in community, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like sometimes I look at my friends and, you know, it takes us, you know, three, four weeks to book a date that we're all free. It's ridiculous. (laughs) You know, in the old days, you would just show up at your friend's house, you know, and even, even that's different. That's a very North American culture thing too, which I see it's 
better in Europe. You know, my parents live in Europe. It's better there. You just show up at someone's house and, you know, they have food that they can put out and, we are, you know, you're having a glass of wine. But why, do, why don't we do that here? I don't know. Um, but I will say for me personally, what I've learned the most and, and been utterly and completely transformed by mm-hmm. is the awareness of my own narrow upbringing of white privilege mm-hmm. and looking and, and getting a glimpse into people's personal and private, most private moments, mm-hmm. most private aspects of their lives and their thoughts and being having the privilege of people sharing that with me and teaching me about their culture and their religion and their family and their lifestyle Mm. and going from believing that life happens like this to realizing that life happens in a million different colors. And I am absolutely like just so honored and humbled by people sharing that with me Mm -hmm. and having my mind expanded to understand, you know, that, you know, I think we, you know, societally we know like, oh, yeah, you can have, like, two moms or two dads, but, you know, there's that in, like, theory, mm-hmm. and then there's the reality of working with a family that has two moms and a dad and two dads and a mom, and, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then I just, I'm so fascinated working with so many different cultures and religions mm-hmm. and all of the different things that they do that I had never been exposed to, and it's also fascinating to me, and I just feel like it has made my life just so much more colorful. And mm. so that's, that's my favorite thing about this work. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Um, and also one important, I think you mentioned one very important thing, like we get stressed so much or to a level that we've never been felt stressed. Um, I think in the last, I don't know, probably centuries. Um, and I think this is a very important topic when it comes to pregnancy. And I see also happening quite a lot. And I am, you know, profoundly convinced that, you know, when you experience a lot of stress during your pregnancy, it somehow also affects your baby, right? Um, whether you notice that very consciously or it's this... Um, stress that you don't really identify as oh I'm so stressed out you know but you you feel it and you live it every day so what are maybe some or do you have some tips for women who are maybe currently pregnant or thinking about having a baby because this is also I think a point where it comes to play um, the stress factor and fertility but that's for another (laughs) um, episode but to really you know to take proper care of yourself to not you know put yourself at risk to not put maybe even your baby at risk and to just maybe experience the pregnancy more consciously to to those points Mm mm-hmm Yeah, I mean, I think the hard thing for me to answer that question is that I answer it from the lens of what I know now as a 40-something-year-old person. Mm. And I think that each the answer for that lies, lie, it, it, the, the, there's a unique answer mm-hmm. for each individual. Mm. Um, now, it's easy for me to say exercise and do meditation mm-hmm. and, um, you know, l- limit where you're researching or how you're researching, uh, hire a doula talk to your friends. Like, I think those things are really easy for me to say. Mm. Um, but you know, I don't necessarily know what someone's life experience is. Um, that might make one of, or more of those things difficult. You know, Mm. if someone has a lot of financial pressure, Mm -hmm. eating healthy is really difficult, can be really difficult for that person. Uh, if someone's got four kids at home, maybe saying exercise, makes them want to jump out the window, you know, <laughs> like, they're just like, how can I fit one more thing in this yeah. life, you know? Um, and so I hesitate to, mm-hmm. to be one of those people that makes those blanket statements. What I encourage people to do is just is to spend some time quiet. Mm. You know, some people suggest either first thing in the morning or late at night in bed, right before you fall asleep and, and ask yourself, you know, what do you need? Like, what do you need help with? And and see see how we can maybe come up with that, how you can maybe come up with that answer. And the thing is that if you open yourself to living in, open, your, open yourself up to living in community, that what you realize is that when you start to ask other people, that other people have really good ideas because mm-hmm. they have good ideas that maybe they've done that before. Maybe they've had the same challenge as you. And when we are so closed up, 
yeah, sometimes it's really hard to see the way out to see, you know, how, how, how can I move from point A to point B? Um, because we're just so wrapped up in point A that mm-hmm. we just, we can't even get there. So that's where I see the value of community. And um, I also, I'm, I tend to be someone who's, at least in the last few years of my life, who's pretty vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot to be gained from being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's scary, but I think if people can say like, hey, people in my life, I'm struggling with this thing, that most people will have you know, people that step forward and have suggestions and offers and support and, or just to be listened to if that's all that you really need. So, so yeah. So I hesitate to to give one big answer, but no, community but I, is always the answer. Yeah. And I love the fact, you know, of, of really taking the time, you know, to not do anything and really just, you know, think of like to check in with yourself, you know, how has this they've been going you know what was something that I'm or what is something that I need what is you know how am I just feeling just you know observe that and become aware of those things it's just I think a very great start because from then once you know you know how you're feeling uh, what has been going on um, like you mentioned what is something that I maybe need help with then you can start you know taking those those uh, changes or doing exercise or taking those kind of techniques Um, so I love the fact that you mentioned, you know, giving birth can be really awesome. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm, I'm curious how that, (laughs) how that experience is really like. Um, and, um, so I'm curious, you know, what are, what are actually things that can make a birth really awesome? Are there any techniques or practices, you know, women can do to make their labor more easy, less painful and have it like a, a super great experience and, and not so much as I like, oh my God, I'm dying, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the thing is that most of that is psychological. Mm. So someone, so, so thinking something is awesome mm-hmm. is our interpretation of an event. Mm-hmm. So the work that we do mentally, preparing for, going through, and then after, the work that we do mentally is going to shape our perceptions. Mm-hmm. So what are we learning about birth and how are we preparing for birth? What are our beliefs around it? Um, and what are we ready for? You know, are we ready to, are we ready to be able to roll with the punches and how things might, you know, change and, and morph as we go through labor? Um, so most of it is psychological. Mm. There's a huge aspect of it that revolves around our choice. The choice of the people that we choose to have around us in labor Mm. is going to hugely impact our birth. So choose your people wisely. Mm -hmm. Choose your care provider wisely. Choose your support people wisely. That would be, those are the two biggest things. I think this this is such a you know it's just a reflection of basically life like they say you're you know you're the average of the five or seven people you spend most time with and it really reflects and so um I, I was just like yeah it makes total sense you know if you have people who are you are usually like always worried or fearful if I would have my mom in you know that um what do you say like in that room oh my god I think it would drive me crazy <laughs> so I really love that um so what would be, if you had the chance to share one message with all women all around the world, um, what would be one thing that you would like all of those ladies out there to really know either about themselves, about, you know, maybe uh, everything that has to do with, with childcare or, or pregnancy, whatever it is, um, what would that one message be that is like near and dear to your heart? Mm is to listen to your instincts. You'll never be more in tune with your instincts than you will through pregnancy, birth, and early parenthood. Mm-hmm. So trust yourself. And um, if, if you were another, another thing that I also like to ask all of my uh, guests on the podcast is I call this category the three nuggets of wisdom. So if you were able to send, you know, three pieces of wisdom to your six-year-old self um, to, you know, prepare her maybe better for the life that you would like her to have or to maybe uh, handle some things that she's experienced um, better or differently, what would those three pieces of advice or wisdom really be for six-year-old Stephanie? Mm. 
people are not thinking about you or talking about you half as much as you think. Mm-hmm. Number two, it doesn't actually matter. Mm-hmm. And number three, don't go on that third date with that John guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so, Stephanie, actually, how how can people, you know, find you and work with you except for that John guy, but everybody else, you know, <laughs> how can they get in touch with you? Sure. So if people are looking for doula services in the Toronto area, mm-hmm. we're at discoverbirth.com. And if people are interested in doing training with me, I uh, train through doula school. So mm-hmm. doulaschool.ca. Um, actually, I have a really cool prenatal yoga teacher training and doula training happening in Guatemala this wow. April, which is going to be, yeah, it's really amazing. We did it for the first time last year mm-hmm. and, um, and it was, uh, it was just absolutely amazing. Lake Atitlan and in San Marcos and, uh, the setting and all of the different other, um, workshops and evening activities that we have is just the most sublime combination to learn in that kind of environment Mm -hmm. and people can learn more about that through awakened spirit awakened spirit.com awesome that that retreat or that class in guatemala sounds amazing so um yeah Mm -hmm. go go look up stephanie's websites um get in touch with her if you want to know more and um well all i'm left to say is really thank you so much for being part of this i learned personally a lot and i hope all the people who are listening also take away a lot of wisdom from everything that you've shared so thank you so much for being here with us today stephanie thank you so much for tuning into the thrive podcast and spending your precious time with us If you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too, please share it with your network, friends, and family. I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question, or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to algamuller.com slash thrivepodcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive.